0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Marty, good to see you. Hello.
1: Yes, well, physically, I'm as good as it gets. Mentally and emotionally, it's been a bit of a draining day. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Bruce, how are you today?
2: I'm doing good. How's the protest? And uh, healthy, yeah. How's the uh, protest? Pretty peaceful right now. They're peaceful. So, the, the location they're protesting is right in front of a police station, and right across the street, is a bank and the bank just locked down because they're concerned that there'll be violence. So,
0: yeah. Uh, did you make it downtown yesterday to check for pallets of bricks and, uh, gas cans all over the place?
2: Uh, yeah, I, actually, I went there today. I didn't check yesterday. They had protests yesterday as well as today, but we didn't see anything as far as pallets or, or gas cans or anything. So that's good, at least.
0: One thing interesting, you know, we talked yesterday and the day before about these piles of bricks that are just mysteriously popping up all over the cities over there. And it's it's just just a, out of a, a whim that this kind of happens. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just weird that these things just show up out of nowhere. Some photos that have been circulating with these things about... Their placements and how they just kind of appear down the streets where they get led down, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, some tags on the sides of these piles of bricks read something very interesting. I looked at some photos and these are tags that show up in different piles of bricks in different parts of the country. And it's funny because they all come from the same brick company because it's, you know, it's just odd. And it's called the, and anybody can look this up, anyone that doesn't know this already, right? This is circulating, I think, online. The Acme Brick Company is the name of the brick company. Now, the, the funny thing about this is, is, you think, first of all, what was it, Marty? You thought it was from like a Roadrunner cartoon or something? You know, you didn't think yeah, it was like a real company.
1: I thought it was um, where Wiley Coyote got all his uh-huh. stuff from.
0: Yeah. Well, well he does. So but It's it, a it's, real place, yeah? Yeah, it's a real company. It's a real company. It was founded in 1891. The odd thing about this is it's not the name of the company, right? That's that's just kind of a, uh, a chance. But the strange thing about this is, is this company was purchased by a parent company in the year 2000, August 1st, to be exact. And the parent company of this Acme Brick Company is called Berkshire Hathaway. Now, Berkshire Hathaway is what company? Who owns that? Warren Buffett. That's his company. He's a majority shareholder in that. I mean, that's that's his own company. He started that. And of course, Berkshire Hathaway is involved in a lot of things. You know, Santa Fe Railway System. I think they, they also do freight. They do, uh, which incidentally, the, the Keystone Pipeline, just side side topic here. The, the Keystone Pipeline, Bruce, you remember that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Do, do you remember how that deal fell through? Yeah. Okay. The reason that deal fell through is because the company that was going to take over the transportation of that oil because of the the failure of the Keystone pipeline was the Santa Fe Railway which is owned by Berkshire Hathaway just side note so Berkshire Hathaway, like I said, majority owned by Warren Buffett. The second largest shareholder in that company for anyone who's just curious, right? Anyone can go and look this up is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. OK, now they don't own a large share, but they are the second largest shareholder. So I find it very funny. You know, here's a guy who's peddling a vaccine, right? And and talking up this this pandemic. Do you remember back in the day two weeks ago when all that stuff uh, was going on with this pandemic? You know, the thing that everybody forgot now. Yeah, that stuff. Mm-hmm he was going to go out and save the world. Now, see, it it seems to me like he's playing a part in wanting to burn it down. Of course, you probably aren't going to find his fingerprints on it anywhere, but it's simple enough to where they can have a national company like this. They can change a few numbers and some logistics, hit a button and out go the bricks to various cities across the U.S. So I find that very coincidental. Oddly enough, I got a call from somebody this morning in my hometown back in the U.S. They found piles of bricks placed by the Acme Brick Company, all the way down the road where they had all the small businesses owned by people, the whole thing just stinks to high heaven. I I told you yesterday, Marty, offline. I said we're being f- played like a fiddle here, and that's that's kind of what it is. So yeah. let me ask you: you you haven't been here, you haven't been here for f- a few days, right? And, and this all this has kind of transpired. We we've been talking about it since you've been away, so you've probably been listening though. But what's your thoughts on all this stuff? Let, let's start with you. These uh, these bricks. What what are your thoughts on the bricks? Because you looked at that stuff. Uh,
1: I've seen videos more than one, where someone is pointing it out and saying, look, these shouldn't be here. Why are these here? Uh, There's no construction going on around here. And to all intents and purposes, it looks like they've been placed there for rioters to use against the police. But in other videos, I've seen Antifa with chisels and hammers breaking up bits of curbstone to use to throw at the police and at property. So... If I was organising a riot, I'd make sure my rioters had things to throw. Uh, I've also seen, again, it's uncorroborated, but I've also seen uh, images of handouts supposedly given to uh, rioters explaining what type of behaviour they should you know, display during the riot whether they're allowed to hit, kick, or punch, under which circumstances they're allowed to use weapons that they brought themselves, such as bars and bats and bricks, but under those circumstances appear to be taking or reaching for law enforcement weapons because that will result in them being shot. So uh, there's lots of evidence, whether it's fabricated, Or not, I don't know. But there's lots of evidence out there to suggest that the people who want this chaos are organizing and facilitating the chaos by placing stacks of bricks and issuing instructions to rioters, as well as busing them in. So, yeah. That, that's where I am with it. I'm, I'm completely disgusted by the whole thing. And I've got lots to say about it, but I'll let you carry on for a moment.
0: Well, you said something there about uh, bussing them in. Well, that's just when you start getting bussed in like mob for hire types, which yesterday we talked about the mob for hire. When you start getting those types, it reeks of George Soros, right? That's got his name written all over it. So the thing that we that we need to be focused on here is the actions that are being taken inside the cities. OK, now what, what you're seeing now is the mob Mobs and the degenerates and the scum that are in the streets, that are rioting, that are looting, that are burning, that are smashing up storefronts, right? This isn't helping anybody. I saw videos, I mean, I've, I've been combing through hours of videos, right, in the last 24 hours. And I was looking at videos yesterday where an entire sports store, you know, one of those two story sports stores in the middle of town center somewhere is being looted in Philadelphia. I mean, people just running in and out with impunity. You know, no big deal. One woman ran in, grabbed three pairs of Nike tennis shoes, ran out. She parked her car out in the middle of traffic, ran in, looted, came back out, drove a half a block, parked again, came back, went back in and then went back out. Looting and stuff. And people just absolutely just, I mean, just walking out with impunity. Now, you can tell me what you want. OK, but this is not this is not a protest. Right. That ended 48 hours after it began and it turned into this. Now, who stands to gain from all this? Why is this happening? Why, why is this happening? Why is this being allowed to continue? What's the media doing? They're blaming Donald Trump. Right. You can't pin this on him just like you couldn't pin the pandemic on him. That's nonsense. So why is this being allowed to continue in the cities? I believe you actually asked me before we got started here, I said, save it. We'll just discuss it in real time. You actually told me about a uh, a scenario that you witnessed that was completely, you know, off cues as as if, you know, it was completely
1: crazy and it shouldn't have happened. It was all backwards. So why don't you tell people what you saw? What I saw on video, uh, but it was a live video from a news station with a a news crew uh, that were reporting on the protests, air quote riot, air quote looting. And what what they saw was a group of shop workers and shop owners protecting two stores in a strip mall. Two cars pulled up, 68 Afro-American youths got out and were going towards the stores with the intention uh, of robbery and looting. People came out of the liquor store, Two of them were armed with shotguns. Uh, Three other people who were also Afro-American stopped these lads from getting anywhere near the stores and they got in their cars and left. The police um, went past and the news crew flagged the police down and tried to explain what had happened. The police got out of their cruisers, headed towards the two stores and immediately started to arrest and handcuffed handcuff the three people who are Afro-American that had been trying to stop the looting. It is just madness. Nobody knows who to trust. Everybody's on tenterhooks. And, you know, the reason the police in America, and I'll just say this because I've been saying it all day on social media anyway, they are half trained at best in a lot of cases, and they are over-equipped And they also, regardless of the color or race of the officer, have an unhealthy perception of Afro-American men and women. And that's because 31% of violent crime in the United States of America is committed by a demographic of 13%. And that is the Afro-American demographic. So... The reason the cops are always twitchy and don't deal with people well is because they are scared witless of having a knife or a gun pulled on them. I'm not excusing, under any circumstances, the action of those criminals that killed George Floyd. On the video evidence that we've seen, he didn't appear to be resisting arrest, and he had three police officers kneeling on him, one of which, I believe his name is Chauvin, was kneeling on his neck. And that caused the man's death. And it was totally unnecessary, totally unforgivable. But the reason the police deal with Afro-Americans the way they do is because of this fear. And that fear is driven by the statistics. So when you've got 13% of your population committing 30% of the violent crime, you've got a problem. So how do we solve that problem? You were talking the other day in one of our other podcasts, in the un- Uncentered one, about how, how to solve the problem of homeless people. Well, this is a bigger problem, and it's been around uh, for a lot longer, I think. How do you solve the problem of such a small demographic committing so much crime?
0: Well, there's a, look, there's a way that you can solve this it's not an easy fix. It's not an overnight fix. But the issue is you're going to have to get rid of the great society. And let me explain what that is. You were around back in the days of JFK, right? I mean, you were a kid, but you, you remember him, correct?
1: Yeah, I, I remember vaguely. I'm-
0: but my, my issue is, is, okay, so Kennedy, right? He was assassinated, obviously. Okay. Who took his place? Unelected, who took his place? Lyndon B. Johnson, right? LBJ. Took his place. All of a sudden, he comes marching in here with this this idea called a great society, and large in part is this is how we ended up with um, with the large underclass that we have today of underprivileged minorities, and this is a fact. This is a fact. The idea was is that you, you get the uh, you get that demographic in these large cities. You herd them up in these large cities. You break their family, as in you offer incentives financially to break up their homes. Right? You have broken homes. You have fatherless homes. And then you promote the culture. As time progressed, you promote the culture of this gangster mentality, right? And you know what I'm talking about. So what does this do? This promotes the degenerative lifestyle. On top of that, you make public education terrible. You dumb it down. And so no one gets a good education. They come from a broken home. They're dependent on the system. And so naturally, when you have a mixture of that, it's going to lead to a life of crime. And it's going to get them involved in drugs. The only way for a lot of these underprivileged minorities in these these city areas, for them to get out, okay, number one, it's going to be sports of some kind, right? They're going to be a sports star. Basketball, football, whatever it might be, okay? Baseball, any of that stuff. Second, drugs, right? They're going to be this big drug dealer and all that stuff, okay? You've missed one. Uh,
1: go ahead. It's the military. The military. Well, yes and yeah, and, no. and via yes and yes the and military- you know. um, That's not- a, a, That's but that's yeah, not promoted they also get that they get another bite at, they get a second bite at education through the military if they didn't take advantage of the you know second rate education that was provided free when they're a bit older more mature taking on responsibility they get a second bite of the cherry of education if they join the military and you you know um most people who join the military in the UK are looking at a 22 year career your guys Are looking at four to six years. So, and in that four to six years, they get, you know, the right to use the veterans' hospitals for that amount of service. And they also get a right to have further education. And that's one of the the ways of getting out of the, you know, the situation that you described at the start of this?
0: Well, the, the fact is, is that, and you're correct, The by the way, the other way, the other way I remembered it was um, if they somehow or another make it in the music industry, the recording industry, right? That's another way. But anyway, side issue, right? The, the culture of the military that hasn't been promoted for quite some time, which is unfortunate. Nonetheless, when you have all these things, right? And it's been promoted for a better part of five decades, six decades, what does it do? It creates a degenerating society inside of the major cities where they've all been herded up. You've got massive amounts of poverty in there. You've got massive amounts of dependency in there. You've got low education. You've got broken homes. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a ticking time bomb. And so this is what we have now. And when you have people that are that taken advantage of, you know, this is, uh, by the way, this is the real crime in all of this. It's not reparations. You want reparations? How about you go back and you start with the people that caused this nonsense? How about that? So the fact is, is that they were put in that position, that community, that demographic was put in that position on purpose. So it could keep them down, keep them oppressed. That's the point of all of it. What happens when you keep a particular demographic? I don't care which one it is, right? I don't care if it's a bunch of white folks. I don't care if it's it's black folks, Hispanic, Asian. I don't care, right? But when you keep a demographic down that long and it breeds that kind of... Uh, dependency in a society, they become malleable, right? Very malleable. And it allows the powers that be that put them in there in the first place, to put them in the position like that in the first place, it allows them to then go in, stir up the masses, right? Fill them full of hate and use them as tools in the system of class warfare, which is exactly what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, it is class warfare. And two sides of the same toxic nickel is the alt-right and the, um, the far-left, the Antifa. Mm-hmm. And they are, as we've called them, both of them before, the useful idiots that are creating all the chaos from which those that have got the means to can profit. And uh, we, we know who they are. They are people like Soros. They are people like the Gateses. They are this Warren Buffett. They are people even like the crown prince in Saudi who's bought $250 million worth of the ticket sales company because he knows it's going to... Yeah, Anyone who's got lots of money can take advantage of chaos. So all they really need to do is not produce any products. They just need to keep producing chaos. And that's exactly what's happening. So when I see virtue signalers who don't understand that, but they, th- they think it's necessary to thrust white privilege as the mother of all guilt trips on people, or they are overtly racist and xenophobic, like the far right. It just makes me really, really angry. And we need to explain to these people how they are being manipulated. That's something that, you know, we perhaps need to do. I wish we had millions of listeners, obviously, not just because, you know, I want to be heard, but because that message needs to be got across. You guys out there, you guys and girls out there that are waiting to throw stones at police officers, you're being manipulated to create chaos to advantage the people you think are your enemy, you know, the ultra rich. All you liberal lefties out there who can't stand the ultra-rich, they're the ones who are gaining from your anarchy.
0: You've mentioned there about useful idiots, right? We talked yesterday about useful idiots. Uh, we went over some of uh, Saul Linsky's uh, rules for radicals and you take uh, a group of people and you manipulate them and you stir them up into, you know, certain uh, you know, a certain way and, and things like that. Uh, you know, psychologically <laughs> and mentally and, and you put them in that 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 group, right? And you then turn them into a tool And then you push them on someone else, which is precisely what's what's happening here. You mentioned groups like Antifa and the useful idiots. Well, (laughs) they don't understand what happens to the useful idiots in the end. I made the reference to the brown shirts in Hitler's Germany. Same thing. Same exact thing. You know them very well. They were going around, smashing out storefronts, beating up business owners and torching people's homes, that kind of thing. They were just street thugs, essentially. Someone would come down the street. You know, one of the uh, one of the officers would come down the streets. The the whole street didn't stop and salute. They went over, you know, truckload of guys went over and started beating them up in the streets. What are we seeing in the U.S.? People being beaten in the streets by these people. Same tactic. Other side. Same tactic. Other side. They call themselves the except in Europe in the 1930s. That was considered fascism. What do we have in the U.S.? Oh, it's anti-fascism. Isn't that clever? Isn't that funny? How they do that, how they flip yeah. that narrative. But yeah. in the end, in the end, the Night of the Long Knives in Germany what happened all those brown shirts all those people that helped hitler come to power and this is you had the same thing that was that was happening in uh, in fascist italy as well with uh, benito mussolini you had the black shirts down there same concept what happened to the black shirts in fascist italy what happened to the brown shirts in fascist germany night of the long knives all of those guys were taken out in one night they don't make it that's the useful idiot part of it you get used to help bring in that next system. And then you're the first to go. Always happens that way. Same thing with the media, right? The media that are out there carrying the water for this agenda to stir up all this hatred and pitting people against each other and causing this violence and saying, oh, well, these are peaceful protesters. This is a a largely nonviolent event as there's a three story building burning behind them in the same shot. Okay, it's all about deception. However, the media, same thing same thing. They're going to flush them just the same. So anyone that's signed on to this, I mean, you you can't make a deal with this. People think that they can somehow kind of sit down and, and go along with this. How in the name of God are you supposed to sit down and talk to somebody like this that understands nothing? They understand nothing. So you mentioned something earlier about the media flagging down the police, going back to some store owners, and then they arrested the store owners. Why did that happen? All right. Let's
1: talk about that for a second. Why did that happen? It happened because the police immediate reaction is really is arrest the black person that's what i saw happen that's exactly well, what i saw happen well that's, and that's, and that's wrong that's well, so wrong
0: i think i think that's what the media showed you but i don't think that's exactly what goes
1: on no the I, the, media, the cameraman just kept rolling the reporter was talking to the officer he explained it to her and said she's saying no no not them don't arrest them they had nothing to do with it they were protecting the store well there's a big issue was well yeah there is but the police are under a lot of pressure because of it you know everything's happening all at once so unless they have the exact information at their fingertips when they arrive on a scene mistakes are going to be made fortunately in this case they were de-arrested almost immediately but if they had a resisted arrest or mouthed off to the police, I could just see that whole situation turning really, really bad. And there is blame to be apportioned right across the board here. There is blame to be apportioned on people committing criminal acts, such as passing dud $20 notes, which is what George Floyd was suspected of okay? There's absolutely no doubt that he died because that policeman knelt on his neck. If he had not have caused himself to be arrested, he'd possibly still be alive. That is not excusing the police officer. That is a mere statement of fact. So there's there's one area of blame. The next area is protest. When you protest, if you are peaceful, sometimes you get ignored. And if you get ignored, that's why people escalate things. But these Protests are being hijacked for political gain and financial gain through chaos by the useful idiots. And they're being driven to do that and paid to do that by these bad actors who profit from the chaos that ensues. So I'm losing my thread. I do apologize, and I'm sorry I've interrupted you. I saw that video. It was a live video. I could see what was happening. I could tell that those police reacted wrongly in that situation. Otherwise, they might have actually caught the eight eight potential looters rather than just make wrongful arrests of three law-abiding citizens. So yeah, the police forces need to clean up their act. That is one thing that needs to happen to sort out the underlying problem, which is this high crime rate amongst the Afro-American. Demographic. I, I've
2: talked about it before. I don't know that I've said it on podcast or not, I don't recall. But these union police unions, that would be one of the ways that we can address the the, the police issue. In the example of George Floyd, that officer that had his knee on his neck, he had nineteen complaints against him. Why was he still an officer? I mean and a, that and a failed really, prosecution.
0: And a failed prosecution. And a
2: failed yeah. Yeah. So I'm of the opinion that I agree that there's issues with our law enforcement here. They do need better training. They need, but they also need more accountability in that, you know, you don't get a complaint thrown at you and then, uh, you know, it's nothing. There needs to be an investigation on it. If the officer's found guilty, okay, bye, see you. You can't be an officer if you're not able to, you know, keep your actions,
1: your emotions in check. So I'm... I'm, You're right. You're absolutely right, Bruce. And to be fair to police forces all over the world, criminals without a moral compass make false allegations all the time. They make malicious allegations uh, to, you know, get away with things. They'll point the finger at the cop because it takes attention away from their own crimes. And this is the real problem here with these riots, the riots and the looting, more crime committed by supposedly the, the protesters is detracting from the crime of that policeman who knelt on a man's neck until he was dead. Uh, and that's the problem. They don't see that. Why don't they see that? Not every cop in the US is corrupt. Not every cop in the in the US is uh, is a racist. Not all of your judges are racist or corrupt. So occasionally you have to trust the system and that's what should have happened here. Now, as far as I'm aware, the three police officers that were in contact with Mr. Floyd as he expired have been arrested and they will be charged. But the longer this kind of protest and violence and riot and looting goes on, the more of a smokescreen and the bigger the chance that they will not get the full penalty for their crimes. So think on, people, before you throw that brick, before you grab that shirt out of that shop window, you're actually working against what is needed. And what is needed is for those people who committed that crime against the person of George George Floyd, to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law.
2: The protesters, the good protesters, the ones that are being peaceful, that are actually trying to affect change with their voice and not rioting, they need to, anytime they're seeing actual rioters that like Antifa and the, the other groups that are going around breaking up the sidewalks, trying to get rocks or throwing bricks and whatnot, you need to address those people, citizens arrest, whatever, drag them to the cops. Like these, you, you need to separate the two of you so that people know that you're the peaceful protesters, these are the instigators. Because right now, with the riots and everything, if your intention is to have your voice heard or bring notice to these officers, or, or the, you know, the, the, the problems that we have here, you're being drowned out by these riots, by the looting. Everybody's going to remember the riots and the looting, not the protest, not your voice. So this is on the protesters as well as the rioters. If you, if you guys want your voice heard, you need to address the wrongdoing in, in your camp.
1: Yeah, the issue there, though, uh, and I know Johnny had something to say, I apologise, but the issue there, I'll be brief, is that when you're in a protest and you're standing there scared because, you know, you're, you're showing perhaps civil disobedience, as long as you're not damaging property or stealing or committing arson or, you know, you are probably going to be blocking the public highway, which in itself is cause for you to be moved on, detained or arrested. So you're probably nervous. So what you want, what you're desperate for, is for other people to stand shoulder to shoulder with you to continue and grow that protest. The problem for these legitimate protesters is they've got fake people rocking up next to them, ready to commit violence and cause as much trouble as possible. So yes, you're right. They should just immediately separate themselves from that element But it's really hard for them to do so because what they want is support. And when the support arrives, they don't necessarily scrutinize the motives. Of the support that's turned up.
0: Let's uh let's talk about why this is actually being allowed to continue. You've got issues now where you have these protesters that are, excuse me, these rioters and these looters that are going through burning the city down. New York City's in flames. Right. We talked about Governor Cuomo yesterday and what he's actually saying about Mayor De Blasio. Oh, he's doing a terrible job. Can you displace a mayor? Yes, I can. And you know, it's, he's probably going to be displaced. As a matter of fact, his daughter was one of the people out there throwing bricks at police officers, and she got arrested for it. And you know what? The mayor of New York was proud of it. He was proud of it. He publicly said he was proud of her. So my issue here is you wondered why those people were uh, were immediately arrested like this and they were, you know, the looters were ignored. This is happening all over. Now, why is this happening? This is happening because you have, if you notice, these are the same mayors, these are the same governors across the board that during the COVID crisis a couple of weeks ago, you remember that thing? During that time, they were the ones that were refusing to open their states. Why? Same concept here. They're allowing these cities to burn. Why? They have no interest. None. They have no interest in stopping this. They have no interest in quelling these uh, these looters and these rioters. They're on their side. These people are the Trojan horses of our time. They're the traitors. And yes, I'll call them that. That's a harsh word, but that's precisely what they are. If you're a city mayor and you're allowing this to go on, you're telling the police to stand down and let them continue... And they're, they're out there being pelted with rocks and bricks and you're telling them not to do anything to these people. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the task here seems clear. The mayors themselves need to be arrested. That's what needs to happen. The police officers need to go into those administration offices and arrest those people, and then they can do their jobs. This is why you have Donald Trump, and I'm not taking sides here, okay, but I'm talking about just a U.S. president. I would expect any U.S. president to take the stance that he took when he said, if the useless governors are not going to do their job and the useless mayors aren't going to do their job to shut this down, then he will. And when that happens, this is precisely what's going on, because you've got a a collaborator media in this case that are going along with this. Clearly, you can see what the agenda is there. Social media is allowing them to organize. Okay, they're shutting down accounts of anybody that pushes back or has a differing of opinion. We're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes on something, uh, because I know you wanted to go there, too. But you have these people all working in conjuncture to further the rioting, further the looting, And you've got Trump that comes out and says, well, we're going to shut him down. So when the real crime happens, which is, for example, a federal officer being shot in Oakland two nights ago, and the FBI called it an act of domestic terrorism. Didn't hear anything about that on the news, did you? Three police officers were run down by a car, by some thug in Las Vegas. One officer was shot in the head in Las Vegas three nights ago. Did you hear anything about that on the news? No. You know, they were shot by looters. There was a former chief of police who was shot dead protecting a local business outside of, uh, outside of his hometown by looters and rioters. Was anything said about that? No. Why? Why isn't it said? Because they will then turn around and carry the agenda for when Trump decides to send in the troops to open up and shut this down. They'll say, Oh, look, there's the protesters. They're fighting the tyranny of the state. You see how this works. You see how this narrative gets flipped, right? They're fighting the police state in the name of the police state that they will instill on you. This is the process that they're taking. This is what they're doing. It's clear as day to anybody that can see what the agenda is here. These mayors, these governors, these attorney generals, these pieces of trash, these are leftover pieces of garbage from the 20th century that we haven't dealt with yet. That's who these people are. And it's time for them to go. The cities in America will fall with these people in charge. They will fall. The problem you're running into now, why this is happening in the cities, all this destruction, all this rage, all this chaos... They're in the cities because this is where you have the disarmament zones, total gun control, total gun bans. They haven't met any resistance yet. But when you decide, okay, well, we're going to go out and we're going to hit rural America, we're going to hit suburbia. That's where they're going to get stopped because those people aren't going to take any of your B.S. They'll blow you back out of their houses when you go in to try and burn and do harm to their families. We don't take kindly to that kind of stuff. So you come around and you start behaving like you're behaving in these cities, that's what's going to happen. And the the worst part about it is, the worst part about all this, it's completely unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. This is not 1920. This is 2020. We're not the rural farmers of Bolshevik Russia. You're not going to be able to do what you've done in the past. It's the same type of movement. And you know, worst of all, this is the sad part about it. It's the same group of financiers just 100 years later. And so by allowing these things to continue, by allowing these traitors from within, the, the real Trojan horses, to allow them to continue to sit in their seats of power is a disgrace. These people are an absolute disgrace. They're traitors, and they should answer to those crimes accordingly. By the fullest extent of the law.
2: Yeah, I feel like you were beating around the bush there. I'm not, I'm not clear on your opinion. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: get off the fence, Johnny. <laughs> Look. The the passion that comes out when you when you speak like that is it's it's because you care about your country and about fairness and justice for all. And we know that those that have got fabulous wealth and have got a dynastic plan that's been going on, as you say, for a hundred years, passed from father to son to daughter to cousin and and so on you know the ultra rich they've had this plan and it's finally starting to come out from underground which was always going to happen the more and more we have you know video the capable to the capability to record videos in our telephones to capture sound uh, and and hear what is actually going on yeah you if you look at it and you have joined the dots up something big is afoot why is it useful what why is trump being blamed for everything because the pendulum swung far too far to the left for too long the populist movement swung it to the right grabbed on it. and we've wound up with people who really shouldn't be in political positions but they are because they are the popular choice when trump said I honestly I believe that he supports the protest, that he found the actions of those policemen that killed George Floyd as despicable as just about everybody else did. But when he chose a phrase like when the looting starts, the shooting starts, although it absolutely accurately describes what should happen, it's too easily labelled as inflammatory as if this is what he wants to happen. I know you don't believe that. I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that that's not true. But if he was a, a more eloquent person and had better advisers, he wouldn't have said something so inflammatory, allowing the opposition to label it as such. And, and I think that's the problem. We deserve better politicians. But you get what you deserve in in life, is is the other saying. So do we deserve, you know, here in the UK, Boris Johnson elected on the grounds that um, he'd get us out of Europe. But since he's been elected, he's been caught in lie after lie after lie. And his advisors have embarrassed and let him down and let the country down. Then you've got Trump, who every time he, the only reason he opens his mouth is to change feet. I honestly believe, give him the benefit of the doubt, that he was behind the protest and against those officers that killed George Floyd. But his poor choice of language winds up with another stick for the left to beat him with. I
2: I mean, I I pretty well agree. He he frequently does uh, poor choice of words
1: and I don't know. Well, he's sorry. Like his... Yeah. Sorry, Bruce. I know I've been talking for ages now. I've just interrupted you. I'm sorry. I know that he's a businessman and he's used to being in charge. He's used to holding the, the upper hand in a negotiation. Well, the job he's moved into isn't exactly like that. You know, other people have got influence and power and he needs to, you know, work around that. He can't be the my way or the highway type. No political leader in a modern Western democracy can be like that. That's what the far left want. That's the kind of leader they're expecting to get in because they that that cartoon with with the liberal watering uh, a tree with a noose around his neck that's attached to the tree, and that tree might be Islam, for instance. So the liberal is thinking oh yeah we need to to look after everybody and everyone needs the fair crack of the whip and to be heard and to have their thoughts considered but as you water and nurture some of these toxic opinions and doctrines you wind up hanging yourself and that's what that's what happens so that's what the left wants and that's what they're getting the more and more conservative and you know right wing politicians make the wrong choices of words say things in the heat of the moment that they later come to regret because their words are being used directly against them you mentioned something there about
0: social media i knew we wanted to kind of touch on that for just a few minutes yeah because we were talking about before we started here we were talking about like parlor and we were talking about twitter and, and all this stuff and you know the uh, the thing you said about uh, about Twitter was you and I'm kind of tying this into what you just said here. You, the thing you said about Twitter is you you want to go on Twitter to kind of uh, reach out to those people that are in that mindset. Well, the problem you run into is a couple of things. One you can't reach those people right that's the first thing they they're completely shut off they are completely shut off they're in their little bubbles and their little echo chambers and they don't they have their opinion and they don't want to be confused with the facts the second thing you run into over there and even on facebook to a great degree is and this is why i'm not on these platforms is because of the mob mentality and let me explain example right today all right i heard about this story this morning there was a woman who was are you familiar with the children's TV network, Nickelodeon? Are you familiar with that? Do you have that in the UK? I'm sure you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's available okay. on the cable networks and satellite okay. right. uh, TV. Yeah.
0: Okay. So there was a there's a commercial that's now running on the Nickelodeon network for children. And it's a black screen. Okay. It's a black screen. And it's a person gasping for air. And then at the end of that black screen, it comes up with, I can't breathe. Okay, this is what's running on Nickelodeon now uh, as children's commercials. So there was a woman who actually caught this. She recorded it with her phone and her daughter is traumatized by hearing this. Right. She's screaming and she's like, mommy, mommy, turn it off. And so what does she do? She puts that video that she took up on Twitter talking about how unacceptable it is. And she wants it to stop. You know, her daughter was traumatized by it. And they they circled on that poor woman. And they, they did everything they could. They vilified her. They doxed her. Uh, you could do the cyberbullying thing. You could even classify that in there. And on top of that, Twitter then turned around and suspended her account. So my issue is, is that if you go on those platforms and you want to try and at least bring any form of truth to something, they just don't hear it. And more than that, the censors at the companies will make sure that you are not heard or that you are ganged up on. Just like the mobs in the streets, only it's done virtually. So example, we saw it with the coronavirus with Facebook. Who did Mark Zuckerberg hire? The head of the Wuhan lab to fact check everything for Facebook. So if you posted something that was outside of the narrative... That Anybody can look that woman up, by the way. Her name was Danielle Anderson. No relation. They hire these people in order to facilitate what's going to be heard and what's not. Same thing with YouTube. You post something that's uh, in a video form that's outside of the narrative of the WHO, for example, as it related to COVID-19. Your account was banned. You were shut down. You were vilified. These types of things. So my issue is with these platforms is, first of all, you can go on there as long as you speak what is being pushed in the agenda. That's it. You can't step outside of that. You try to step outside of that, you get mobbed, you get possibly doxxed, and you get
1: thrown off. So what's the point? What's the point in all that? I've been rounded on by groups of lefty liberal snowflakes because, as I've said many times, the only reason I joined Twitter was so that I could directly you know, put my words in front of some people that I think are the enemy. People like... James O'Brien, people like Jeremy Corbyn, people like Diane Abbott. I detest them because of the way they think. Now, they've got every right to think like that because it's a free country. But I disagree with what they say. But so many people just jump on board and are sycophantic in the extreme and hang on every word and post or tweet that they put out. And I just like to take them to task on it. Now, with an alternative platform such as Parler, I found that everybody on there thinks the same way as I do. So there's not much point in engaging on that platform. I would rather speak to someone who thinks differently than me so that they've got an opportunity to change my mind and at the same time, I've got an opportunity to change theirs. It doesn't happen very often. Let's say in about... 20 different threads and conversations about different subjects, I've only come to a consensus with contributors maybe twice. And that's where we've both gone, yeah, good point, man. Thank you. And we've moved on. We've grown and become better people by having a good discussion and thrashing things out. But... On Twitter, particularly on Twitter, you get the ad hominem argument thrown at you all the time. You know, you're a racist, you've got white privilege, you're a sexist, you can't say that because you're not that color. You know, that's basically what you get. And you're right. It's a completely hostile, toxic environment. But like I say, there's no point in going into a, a room that just echoes your own voice back to you you want to go into a place where your words will carry and reach somebody else who might think think differently and hopefully, between the two of you, you can thrash out a real answer to whatever the issue is.
0: I agree. It's important to have the dialectic. I mean, you, you have to have that. And the only thing we've ever encouraged here is for people to think on their own, right? That's the most important thing out of all this. I don't want to convince you of anything. Marty, I know you don't want to do that. Bruce, you certainly don't want to do that. We don't want to convince anybody of anything. The only thing we want people to do is to think for yourself. I'll say that until I'm blue in the face. Right? It's not about an agenda and pushing something on you. It's about you. You know, we're basically think of us as like signposts. Okay, that's that's essentially how I can describe it, you know, off the top of my head, you know, for lack of a better term, signposts. What are we? What does that mean? That means we have the discussion between us, though we don't always agree. At the end of it, we can walk away as friends because we've done that for a long time. But we want people to be able to be pointed in the right direction as in, hey, this is what we're talking about. And you think, well, wait a minute, that's crazy. Okay, well, this is where we found it. Go look that up and you can figure it out for yourself. Form your own opinion on it. Okay, so that's why I say
1: signpost. So, <laughs> apart from, uh, hang on, hang on, while uh-huh. you're on the signpost analogy, uh-huh. I think it's more, more like illuminated script on <laughs> on an ancient on an ancient map where it says, "Here be dragons." That's okay. what we're more like. Yeah, okay, we're, we're more like the the, the the illuminated script on an ancient map. That says here be dragons. Fair enough. I'll give you that
0: one. But the the issue that I that I see is, of course, Parlor is good because we're we're also promoting a podcast on there. So we do get a lot of likes on there. Which by the way, our podcast is, is fed out on Twitter every day. Uh obviously, it hasn't been heard by anyone over there because we don't two things. We don't promote it there. Second that's that's first thing. Second thing, if someone did hear it, they would probably kick us off anyway. So the thing that's really uh, that bothers me so much about uh, the issues with the hostile environment is the fact that i find that it is hostile in the sense of and i'm talking twitter here it's it is hostile and the fact is is you can't reach anybody and I, i'm not picking sides here i'm not picking sides here parler on the other hand it is not hostile and you do have people i've seen i've seen quite a few on there you you do have people that think independently and that that think
1: a, go ahead sorry dude i've got a question on uh-huh. parler what uh-huh. what's the character limit? One thousand. One thousand, and is that yes. bigger than Twitter? That is, isn't it? Twitter's two hundred Twitter? and something, I think. Oh, I I even had a figure of one hundred and forty. Uh, okay, that could be in, in in my head, but um, it could be. I Twitter. could be wrong. But the reason it's such a hostile environment is people cannot express themselves in a way that puts forward mitigation for what they're about to express, you know, to explain why they're saying what they're saying. So people become more aggressive. Instead of saying, aha, I disagree, but I'd like to put forward this thing, people just write a single word like bollocks, as in (laughs) what you're talking is a complete load of balls. Uh So, yeah. So because there's so few characters on Twitter, people are more blunt with each other. I learned in the Middle East that you can't, put forward a criticism in a report unless you've put in all the reasons why the individual or the organization that you're criticizing why they can't do it the way it should be done. If you don't put their excuses in for them first, they will just attack you and and that's what happens. You know, if I want to say, look, the riots are bad, looting's bad, what I get back is you think property is more important than a man's life. Well, no, of course I don't. But because I've been succinct and blunt in what I think and I haven't put all of the explanation and all the nuances in, that's when the ad hominem hostile circle starts to close in on you.
0: You know, I'm not sure that, you mentioned something there about uh, about character limits. I'm not sure that a, a, an extended character limit on Twitter would even matter to the ones that are on there, uh, and I I say this because, and I'm not saying it from from my own thing. I'm, I'm not on there. I, I'm not on there. It never really interested me. I, I went on there, like Bruce. You you and I sat down because we actually explored Twitter. We we explored it. We we were looking at it in the initial uh, initial stages of all this about a year ago, and we thought, okay, maybe we can just hop on Twitter because it's uh, you know it's already there, and and there's just so much there. Okay, fine, let's take a look at it, and immediately. Immediately, we're looking at it. We're subscribing to different feeds and things like that, obviously, that come through. And we're just going down through and we're like, no wonder all these people are crazy. The ones that are out there in the streets right now burning, right? The ones that are out there looting and rioting. okay? those are the ones that are on Twitter. That's the mentality on there. That's the mentality. And I'm not saying that from my own personal experience. I hear people, prominent people saying the same thing. Now, Twitter can be used for several things. It can be used for several things. It's not just one particular thing with like politics and all that stuff. There's more to life than politics. But in this case, this is what we're discussing. It can be used by church groups or, you know, youth organizations, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, it's social media, right? It happens. In this case, when it comes to the issues that uh, that you're interested in, then it becomes that... I don't want to say extremist breeding ground but but that's what it is. It's like you you go on there and I mean it's just the the the, oh, the mate, it's patron. it's an
1: absolute yeah it's an absolute petri dish to to grow bile in. It's terrible uh, and it's terrible and I'm I'm really not that interested in it. Facebook I'm losing my interest with that as well. It was useful for me when I lived in another country and I could keep in contact with my friends. Now I mean I'm deficient Two people that are have been friends of mine on Facebook and in real life for quite some time because I've deleted myself from from them because of the uh, uh, virtue signaling posts about these riots and about the protest and about Black Lives Matter. You know, one guy said, I don't know if I've already said this, one guy said on his post If you are putting out posts that say all lives matter, then you are part of the problem. And please remove yourself from my Facebook. So I just typed in, by then, and I was gone. So, you know, as a result of this tragic, not tragic, horrific murder by police of a man, you know, that they had arrested... I've now not going to be contacting at least two people, maybe more, who think, who I've now discovered. It's been illuminating because I've now discovered who in my group of friends are really the snowflakes, are really the sheep, the ones who are being led by the nose and you know made to think in that direction. So in some ways, that's been a good thing for me. But yeah, social media actually sucks. It started off as a great thing. But has become another tool, another tool for those that want to take advantage of people to do so. Um, you know, that's
2: kind of the reason I'm not on social media, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have no interest. I, back in the day, I, I was on social media, uh, MySpace. You know, when that was the that was the mm-hmm. thing to be on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that that lasted all three months. And yeah, within social
0: social media is garbage. It, it's garbage. Yeah. It's terrible. So it's it no, honestly it, it, it's it's caused more problems than it solved. Right? It, it's caused more problems than it solved. In a sense, right? What they've done, and I, I hate to I hate to compare it to this, but essentially that's what it is. When they created social media, they opened Pandora's box. And when I say they opened Pandora's box, they opened the door to a lot of things. They opened the door to mass anarchy, and they also opened the door to a way to quell that anarchy in the long run and we all know what that is don't we bruce social scoring yeah Mm -hmm. so they've set the precedent and they've laid the groundwork for the problem the reaction and the solution all in one fell swoop and everyone took to it because it's a fun place where you can all get together all your friends all your family you're all there you can share your common interest
2: meet people you don't know that kind of stuff right i mean that's what it is you know where facebook started right it started back in the day. It was on campuses, and it was a way to right. rate or yeah, we'll, we'll say rate the women of the campus. I kid you not. It, it was a yes. it really a sexist thing. And uh,
0: now look at it. Yeah, go watch the Social Network. Right, the the one that uh, portrayed Zuckerberg. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I still not seen that film. There's something well, about anyway. Mark Zuckerberg's face that just makes me want <laughs> to watch anything about him. Um, well, look, next podcast. Can we talk about something more cheerful? COVID-19 isn't over, by the way. The virus is still out there. People still need to, need to take precautions, but hopefully we can get things opened up and you know things can start to get back to almost normal. But if we don't talk about something more exciting, I am going to rehearse and put to music my COVID-19 2020 Sucks rap, which I've sent to you, Johnny. You, you know how bad it is. Uh, and I don't mean being bad isn't good. I just mean bad. So unless we do something cheerful soon, I'm going to just recite that.
0: You know, I was actually, as I was reading it, uh, yes, I think it was yesterday you sent it to me. As I was reading it, I was trying to picture like a, a rhythm in my head that I could put to that. Uh, and I've, was got, the somehow, I've, you've got, I've the got the rhythm. You've got
1: the rhythm. I've got the rhythm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe done. we can Maybe we can put that together sometime this week. We'll see. But Oh, that'd be uh, fun. Yeah, Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Though, I mean, what have I been clamoring about for the last few days, Bruce? I just want a normal day, right? I just want a normal day. Mm-hmm. No riots, no looting, no burning, no COVID, right? Can we just get a normal day about something? GP and I were actually talking about uh, gardening last night in our closing point, if you can believe it, because we just wanted something positive to end on. know. yeah, yeah. And and the the thing is is. You know, I got on that rant earlier about the traders within. Well, that's who these people are. I mean, you look at these people; they are the scum of the earth, right? These are the people that are the 20th century holdovers. These are the Hang people on, that have He's that gone again. He's gone again, Bruce. Get
1: get get the tranquilizer done. It's gone again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So no, we understand, and 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 I think we agree with you. Whether or not we've got the same level of passion about it as you, I don't know, but um.
0: Well, my point yeah. is, my point is with these people, right? We, we look to these people as supposedly our, our, quote, leaders, right? These aren't leaders, right? These are scum. They're scum. They're filth. They're 20th century holdovers with that mentality. That's what they are. Yeah. They're in the past. These people are not the future. They are the past. It's that simple with this mentality, this promotion of tribalism and conflict and race baiting and, and, and all this nonsense that they're trying to push people into. It's disgusting. These people are trash. So the, yeah. the fact is, is we have to deal with them. We, we have to deal with them. They will be held accountable, right? By the letter of the law. That's, that's, why, that's how it has to be, right? They well, will be look, judged look, in a court, in a court of yeah. law, fairly,
1: justly, Ooh, you, swiftly. You look here in London with uh, Mayor Khan, okay? A man so morally corrupt and desperate for votes that a Muslim convention with black ISIS flags flying at the back stood there and gave a speech. You know, this was around about the same time as um, Fusilier Fusilier Lee Rigby was murdered in the streets of London. This guy was a a soldier, but he was a bandsman. He was a a bugler drummer in the regiment of Fusiliers, and he was murdered by two Somali immigrants as a a form of, of jihad. He, had, he was decapitated in the streets. And around about the same time, there's Mayor Khan talking to this group of people with black ISIS flags waving in the background. Didn't take the time to condemn those flags and to condemn, you know, the, the, the concept of this all far reaching caliphate that ISIS and ISIL were trying to achieve and their methods and the terror that they brought and the beheadings and the bombings all done in their name. He didn't take any time at all to condemn that. That's a traitor in my book. And that's the kind of people you're talking about within the US as well as far as I can establish. The Trojan horses of our time. That's what they are. So, yeah, Barney Bruce, it's always a pleasure
0: to sit down with both of you. Thank you for your time this evening. Cheers, guys. Bye. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.